For centuries, humans have been growing alongside our botanical brethren. Our histories have mixed and mingled to bring us modern medical marvels, faded folklore, and everything in between. Of course, in order to understand the plant, we have to start with its roots. I'm M. Grebner Gaddis, and this is Rooted. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Rooted. This week, we are finally digging in to a highly requested fall favorite, Chrysanthemum. Chrysanthemums are a member of the Asteraceae family, with famous relatives like daisies, sunflowers, and even things like lettuce, if you can believe that. Mums are originally native to Eastern Asia, and while there are now thousands of different cultivars, there are a few general rules of thumb to look for that can help you identify them. Firstly, they are perennial subshrubs, meaning that most of them will form compact but kind of large clumps, growing to be about 3 feet in diameter and maybe 1 to 1.5 feet tall. They have hairy stalks, alternating leaves, and can be pinnate like a feather or serrated. They are potentially best known for their flower heads, though, which are actually made of two parts. The center, which is actually an inflorescence made up of hundreds of tiny flowers, and the ray flower, which is made up of the rows and rows of petals that surround the center. In the wild, most mum varieties are yellow, but with all of these different fancy cultivars we have developed, mums can be pretty much any color you can think of. Except for maybe blue. That one is tough for Mother Nature in most cases. But with so many different varieties, the blooms can look very different from type to type, but the basic shapes are pincushion, which is a rounder, more compact bloom, single, which is a daisy-like bloom, decorative, which tend to be flat on the back and slightly convex on the top with densely clustered petals. There's the in-curve, which are the large, compact, and globe-shaped blooms, reflex, which are large blooms with irregularly growing petals, meaning that they look a little bit messier than the in-curve ones look, pom-pom, which is again those small, dense blooms that grow in really dense masses. There's the anemone, which is a single bloom with a very large center, so it's kind of daisy-like in that way. There's spoon, which is very much more daisy-like, but with curved spoon-like petal tips, so they're a lot more curved and rounded. Then there's quill, which is a thin tube-like petal, and spider, which is very long, kind of drooping petals with coiled ends that, of course, kind of give like spider leg vibes. And as if that kind of variety weren't enough, some people are actually even out there bonsaiing chrysanthemums in a nerve-wracking 6 to 11 month process. So where most bonsai are crafted over decades, these tiny guys are developed over mere months, leaving very, very little room for error. And in an art that's already not the easiest to start with, that can be an immense amount of pressure. But let me tell you, they are adorable. I saw some that look just like standard bonsai trees, but covered in like the sweetest, tiniest blooms, but they can also apparently be grown to kind of like curve over rocks or just drape very gracefully down something. It is truly like just absolutely heart-melting stuff. 
chrysanthemums have always been a bit of a conundrum, even in terms of their meaning across cultures. All across Asia, but especially in China where they originated, chrysanthemums are said to represent good fortune, luck, and prosperity, with their abundance of petals symbolizing the abundance to come. And it's because of this symbolism, and their beauty, that they've become a staple in culture and symbolism across the continent, where they're placed on official seals, given as gifts, and even have full festivals dedicated to them. In addition to symbolizing good fortune, chrysanthemums are also a crucial plant in Chinese medicine, with some varieties' roots being used to make a tea, which was said to help fight inflammation, cool the body, and even reduce blood pressure, with modern research backing up a lot of these claims. And while I wouldn't say to use this tea in place of your hypertension medications, I do think that it's a super tasty way to help with some of these ailments. On the flip side, chrysanthemums are often closely tied to death across Europe and in Louisiana, as they were very commonly planted in cemeteries to honor the dead, since they bring a much-needed pop of color and life, and can withstand the harsh winter better than a lot of the other common flowers that are typically left to honor the dead. Due to them being a popular choice for graveyards, most folks weren't too keen on receiving them as gifts, especially in a bouquet, as it was said that they brought bad luck, especially if they were picked from a cemetery where they would bring sadness and loss along with them. So, definitely not something to get your lover for Valentine's Day back in those days. And while today most people associate mums with fall and fortune, they do still bring a sense of doom and dread to our many-legged insect friends. This is because the fruits and flowers of chrysanthemum contain a chemical known as pyrethrum, which is the active chemical in pyrethrin, which is a commonly used pesticide. And essentially, it works by attacking the central nervous system of most insects. It can be applied as a powder, or more commonly, is sold suspended in oil or water where it's then sprayed onto the plant. It's also very harmful to fish, so it's not recommended for use anywhere near large bodies of water or other places where those friends are present, but it is significantly less harmful to mammals, which is why it's such a popular choice for application in more typical landscapes. One thing to note, though, is that it's effective against all insects. Even the beneficial guys like bees, butterflies, and other bugs who are just minding their own business trying to enjoy their space. While mums may be a bit of bad news for old-timey Frenchmen and fruit flies alike, there are still plenty of folks who can't get enough of these vibrant fall blooms. The next time you see some, I hope you'll take a second to say hello and ponder the countless lifetimes we have spent getting them to look all of the different ways they do now. If you like the show, please consider subscribing and leaving us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rooted.Pod, we're on YouTube at Rooted.Podcast, and you can check out our website, RootedPod.com, for transcripts, updates, and so much more. Special thanks to Eric Cluxon for writing and performing our theme music, And of course, a special thank you to all of you for being here. Until next time, be kind to yourselves, be kind to the earth, and just like a plant, drink your water.